All right, all right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Here we are at MPI Church. Hey, I'm Pastor Berto, one of the pastors here on staff. It's so good to be here in the house of God. Who's excited this afternoon to worship the Lord? Amen. And hey, we're going to all please stand. Why don't some of us bring it up to the altar a little bit, man, to get ready to worship? Let's fill up this first row. And man, I'm excited for the Lord and what He's doing. We like to start out every single service with a testimony. We want to thank you for joining us and appreciate your presence. This afternoon, we got our brother Ricardo Rivera testimony. Let's give him a hand as he comes up, everybody. How you doing, everybody? My name is Ricky. I'm one of the elders here. And I just wanted to testify, right? We testify to give glory to God, right? So one of the things uh, that happened actually this week was um, our little girl, she's five months old, uh, she was sick. So we noticed that, you know, she was kind of feeling a little warm. She was coughing. So we're thinking, oh, maybe she's just teething. You know, she has a cold. So we're like, uh, so we're, we're fine. So the next day, she started to wheeze. She started to wheeze. She's having difficulty breathing. So we're like, oh, it's maybe a little bit more serious than that. So we take her to the pediatrician. And I'm thinking, like, oh, they'll give her some, you know, medication or whatever, send us home. Well, as soon as we send her there, they're like, oh, no, you got to admit her to the hospital. You know, she has bronchiolitis. That's what it's called. So form of bronchitis, but bronchiolitis. So we're like, okay, that's a little bit more serious than what we thought. So we admit her to the hospital. That was Monday. So uh, what they have to do is they, they put uh, breathing tubes, right, um, oxygen, so she can breathe better. So you think uh, when you're breathing, you're at 100%. That 90 is the lowest you want to be. She was in the 80s. So that's not good for a, a baby that young, right? So it could be a little dangerous. So we send her there. We're thinking, they're, you know, they're going to observe her. Everything's okay. Well, the, they actually keep her overnight. The next day, they take the, the oxygen off. She dips down again to the 80s. So that's not good. So we're thinking, like, man, that's what's going on? That could, you know, that's a little serious now. So I could see how parents during that time could start thinking crazy, right? You start freaking out. Like, you know, you start thinking worst-case scenario, what's going to happen? You know, it could get serious up to, like, man, she can die, right? You start thinking that. That comes from fear, right? But you have to take captive those thoughts, right? Because you have to think by faith. So I got to say that during those times... I got, you know, we were more sad for her going through that, but man, we were at peace. We knew she was in a good place. We knew that God was going to take care of her. We trusted in God. We knew that, you know, it just had to run its course. She was going to be fine. Sure enough, the next day, uh, they take the, the, um, the oxygen off. She's awesome. They send her home. She's healed. We did a follow-up Saturday. She's perfectly healed. Amen. So the verse I wanted to share with you is not even about a healing verse, but it's in Isaiah 23, 4, and it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And so my encouragement is that whatever it is that you're going through, whatever trials, whatever storm, whatever crisis that you're going through, don't freak out. Trust in God. Your mind steadfast in the Lord. That means you're committed. You're trusting in God. You're trusting in him, and he will keep you. And perfect peace. And think about that. Not just peace, perfect peace. So there's that emphasis. And not just give you peace, but he keeps you in, per he keeps you in that place of perfect peace when you trust him. Isn't that awesome? That's an awesome promise. So I want to encourage you guys that whatever it is that you're going through, trust in God. Keep your mind focused on God because we focus too much on the negative, on the situation, right? And so that's when fear comes in. So when you trust in God, he keeps you in peace. It helps you to overcome whatever it is that you're going through and you come out better than how you came in. Amen? So let's just pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you for your perfect peace, God, a peace that transcends all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds, oh God. 
I pray, God, that whatever it is that we might be going through now or later on in the future, Lord, that we will, our minds will be steadfast in your word and your promises, that we will trust in you, and that, Lord, you will surround us with that peace, oh God, so that we can go through whatever it is that, whatever challenges we face in life, Lord, we thank you for that gift, God, that priceless gift that only comes from you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. Amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. Oh, just let those words penetrate your heart today. And if you want those chains to be lifted off of you, if you want to be free from addictions and free from sorrow and free from depression and, and just free from turmoil, you can be free. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you would be called sons and daughters. And we want you all to be sons and daughters. God wants you to be a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, Jesus. We thank you, God, for coming into this place and for coming into our hearts and adopting us and grafting us into your, into your branches, God, into your tree, God that we would be called your sons and daughters and that we would live with you forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are your sons and daughters coming Receive 
move in this place, God. We talk about waiting. I'll be here waiting for you. And God, we are waiting for your return. And we are excited. We can't wait for the day when you redeem all your people, when you claim all your people to be with you, God. So as we as we worship you, God, we want to talk about just waiting for you, God, because we know you are here already.
up a little when you move we want more and when you speak we want more when you move we want more we want the fullness just the voices when you move we want more come on do when you mean you this today speak, sing it out we want more when you move we want more we want the full one more time come on just the voices lift up your voices today when you move we want more when you speak we want more when you move we want more we want the fullness. Hallelujah. Come on, if you speak in tongues today, I want you to lift up your voices. Come on, let's change the atmosphere in this place with our heavenly language. Jesus, take control today. Holy Ghost, we loose you in this place. Come on, if you're hungry today, lift up your voices. Lift up your hands today. Speak in other tongues. Come on. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you want it, I want you to come up to the front right now. Keep the music up. Come on, we're going to keep pressing through. I want the instruments to keep pressing in today. Come on. If you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to come up here for prayer. Come on, guys. If you already have been baptized, I want you to keep on praying. I want you guys that came up to lift up your hands. Come on. Lift up your hands if you want a baptism of fire today. Ashley, Ashley, please come on up and pray for the ladies. Come on, man, keep taking us there.
Everybody wants a fresh touch today. Come up to the front. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this room. If you need a rejuvenation, if you want a double portion, come up to the front right now. If you really want more, if you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit this year like if you never had before, come up to the front. Come on. We want it, Jesus. We want more. if you want the fullness of God inside of you this year. Come on. We want more when you speak. We want more when you move. We want more. We want the fullness. Hallelujah. Lord, speak today. Let the gifts of the Spirit move and be in operation right now. Hallelujah. feel like the word for someone out here is before you can understand me as a king you need to understand me as a father you understand judgment so well but you don't understand the love first let me show you the love that transcends your understanding of judgment. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for that love, God. 
the love of a father. Come on, if you've never experienced the love of a father, you have love from your heavenly father being lavished on you right now. Receive it. Don't make excuses about why you can't have it. It's yours today. The love of a father. Come on, stretch forth your hands if that word was for you. He is your father, a good, good father who gives you good, good gifts. And he's also your king. He lavishes you with his love, his love that is wild, his love that is fierce. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your presence. We love your presence, God. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for always being where we are. I want us to close out this worship time with your kingdom come. And I want you guys to think of the city that we live in. I want you guys to think of America and where in the state of our nation that we just want to give it to Jesus. Lord, we want to sing it out and shout it out and pray it out that your kingdom will come on this earth as it is in heaven. America belongs to you. Chicago and all the cities of this nation belong to you, Jesus. Let your kingdom come in its righteousness, peace, and joy in fullness here through us. Come on, lift up your voices. kingdom come in our schools let your kingdom come in our government let your kingdom come and be in our workplaces let your kingdom come and infiltrate our communities let your kingdom come and infiltrate our families oh god in jesus name Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Lord, let us be your mouthpiece. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus on this land. That wherever we go, we shine bright for you. That we shine bright in your righteousness, in your peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. Use us, O oh God, to change our nation. Use us, O oh Lord, to transform this generation by the power of your word, by the power of your might. In Jesus' name, be glorified in us and through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Woo! Aren't you excited that you're Pentecostal today? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm so excited that I got the Holy Ghost. As you make your way back to your seat. Praise the Lord. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us this afternoon for our second service. We're believing God to do amazing things in this service as we continue to reach out to this community and grow both of our service. We have a strong body of Christ here as we continue to believe that God is going to give us the 100,000. Amen. 
I'm going to preach the gospel to the gospel to you this morning, this afternoon. My name is Nancy Y. Rostick. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And the reason why we like to preach the gospel in this way after the worship time is because we want to give you an opportunity to hear the simple message of salvation, the good news that Jesus saves. And in John chapter 3, verse 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. I want to let you know that Jesus is your only way to have eternal life. And the Bible is very clear in this verse that if you keep rejecting the Son, His wrath remains on you. The wrath of God remains on you. Jesus came, took on flesh, died on the cross for our sins to redeem us back into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. When you reject Jesus, when you reject the only plan for our salvation, God's wrath remains on you. And there is no eternal life for you, my friends. It's through Jesus that we get to live on past this life. This life that we live in the body is temporary. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Look to the life that is to come. This life will pass away. All of its desires will pass away. But the one who does the will of God will live forever. So if you have been rejecting the son, you keep rejecting his sacrifice, you keep rejecting the message of the cross, there is no other plan left for you. Jesus is the only way. You cannot be right with God and reject this. Humble yourself, ask for forgiveness, repent of your sins, turn so that God can heal you and make you born again. The Spirit of God will breathe life into you and make you alive on the inside. If you are not born again in Jesus, your spirit is dead today. We are all born sinners. Our spirit is dead until the breath of God breathes into you and you become alive. How many alive people do I have today? How many alive spirits are in this place today? Come on. It's by the power of Jesus. There is no other way. So with all eyes closed all across this room, if you know you have to get right with Jesus, you've been putting it off, you've backslidden, you're playing games, you're wasting time, you keep making excuses, get right with Jesus today. You're not promised tomorrow. In him there is eternal life, life forevermore. God, I pray for every single person in this room that does not know you, that has continually rejected your message, continually rejecting your sacrifice. I pray that you would convict them and by your loving kindness draw them to repentance today. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would arrest them in the spirit right now. That they may humble themselves before you and say, Jesus, I give you my life. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Please give the Lord a hand clap of praise because he is worthy. You guys can stand up to your feet. We have prayer workers right here to the side. The Romans, Augustine and Nandri, they would love to pray with you and for you if you mean business and you want to get right with God in just a few moments during our fellowship time I want you to come and receive prayer and they'll pray for you and show you how to get plugged into the church so you can get into the discipleship program to be a disciple of Jesus does that get you guys excited come on aren't you glad we don't leave you high and dry we're gonna walk through this journey of you living for Jesus we're gonna walk through it with you we're not leaving you alone let's confess our confession of faith together on the count of three this is our Christian worldview and there is no greater time in all of our life where we must see everything around us through the lens of our Christian worldview, through the lens of Scripture. So on the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Why don't you guys spend some time fellowshipping, meet somebody that you don't know, give somebody a handshake or a hug.
All right, who's excited they came to church today? Second service, get excited. You got to beat the first service. Come on. I'm not convinced. Who's excited they came to church? Come on. God showed up and showed off. What a powerful time in worship and prayer and seeking the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for all that you do in ushering us into the presence of God. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're so excited that you joined us for service today. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service, so we have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. every week for students 11 to 18. And God is doing awesome things in that generation and us reaching out to the community, to the high schools, and believing God that teenagers will get on fire and be radical disciples for Jesus. We want to let you know about the MPI app. I know many of you guys have already heard about it. If you never have, here is your opportunity to download it. Metro Praise International app has everything at your fingertips. So a lot of the stuff that's on our website is very easy to, to find on this app, whether it be the 365 devotional every day, the sermon player, which has the Sunday messages available to you by the following Tuesday, the disciples giving book lesson, um, all of the life group information. So play around with it. Look at it every day. Find different things to, to read or to do. It's just a blessing to us as a church to be able to have this, especially when you're trying to talk to people about Jesus or invite them to the church. Very easy tool to say, hey, check out our church. This is what we're about. You can listen to sermons and read, read some of our books there, and they can really get plugged in and find out, you know, what we have to offer. Our our, uh, here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and our goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. How many of you guys love to love God and love people? Come on. Two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and that is how we are going to build his church, by following those two commands, loving God and loving people. And our strategy here is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. We want to mentor you to be a disciple through our 101 and 201 class. And then we want to send you out so you could win souls and make more disciples. And then our goal by doing all of that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. If that gets you excited, make some noise today. Come on, because you're not here by accident. You are here on purpose. Look to your neighbor say, I've prayed for you. We started this church in 2005, and we have literally prayed for every single one of you. You guys know, if you've been here from the beginning, raise your hand. Some of our elders... Some of our deacons, you've been here for a long time. We've prayed for you. You're not here by accident. God is on the move. We've seen so much growth, so much increase over the years, and it's exciting about what God wants to do in us and through us for the city and the nations of the world. So look to your neighbors, say, get connected. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. If you have not plugged into a life group, look at the back of your handout. Find a place to belong. There's so many different types of life groups offered at different times. It's going to be such a tremendous blessing for you and your family. So kicking it off this week, today we have the single moms meeting today at 530. I'm glad you're excited. God shows up and shows off. They have a powerful time in the Lord. Tuesday we have the encounter prayer night. Come on, make some noise for that. It's an exciting time getting together, interceding, praying, worshiping, hearing a word. 7 p.m. this Tuesday, 
Come out, be refreshed. Wednesday, King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church for our boys clubs for Jesus and girls clubs, Royal Rangers and Impact. We disciple the kids. We have amazing children's workers. You want your children to be here on Wednesday nights. Thursday, we have the gang outreach. They meet here at the church at 7. Friday, two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivitz house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Be there on Friday nights. Get refreshed in the word of God throughout the week. Get connected. There are brothers and sisters in in the Lord that are there to encourage you and challenge you on to be there to pray for you and uh, to, to sharpen you. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So be there, get encouraged, stay close to Jesus throughout the week. And Saturday, the ambassadors, youth life group meeting here at the church at one o'clock. God is on the move. Isn't that exciting? Then we want to mentor you. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. The 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. That is done one-on-one -on -one with a leader in the church who's going to take you under their wing, encourage you, challenge you, pray for you, and just be there as you, you know, get on this journey with your walk with the Lord. When you finish and graduate the 101, you'll go into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. That's our leadership training class where we train you to be a deacon or an elder one day and just challenge you to be all that God has called you to be in the kingdom here on earth as we usher in his second coming. Amen. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism every Saturday from five to eight. We hit the streets preaching the gospel. And this, by the way, is just one of our many evangelism times, but this is our main one where the whole church could come together. But we hit the streets 10 times out of the week before our life groups, before our main services, before Wednesday, they're witnessing for an hour on the streets. So at every opportunity, evangelism is going on. How many of you guys know we take evangelism and discipleship very serious here? Come on, so it's through us that God is going to preach the message because who's, how are they going to know if we don't tell them, right? So if you want to be used mightily by God to see your relationship with the Lord come to another level, be encouraged through evangelism. Refresh somebody so that you could be refreshed, amen? So to recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a praise the Lord? Come on. He's going to do it through us and with us, and it's an honor to be his co-laborer on the earth, is it not? Are you guys excited to give your tithes and offerings today? Come on. We're going to get into the lesson. You can check the MPI app for today's lesson, lesson number five. We believe that the scripture teaches that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. An offering is above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord, which we designate towards missions and towards building. So let's get into the lesson today. Lesson five, God blesses those who tithe. How many tithers do I have in the house today? Come on. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be a room enough for you to store it. How many of you guys want that type of a blessing? How many of you guys are tithers? Come on, then you can receive that word, okay? Faithful tithers will receive that word. This is the only time God gives us permission to test him is in our finances. So two main points. Number one, God blesses those who tithe. God blesses or empowers to succeed those who tithe and keep his commands. It is an honor and a privilege to say, I trust God. I'm going to put him first in my, in my tithes and offerings and my finances, and I'm going to give back to God what belongs to him. Then we could experience all the blessings of God. Number two, God's blessings overflow to his people's lives. God not only promised to meet our needs, but he also promises to give us enough to help meet others' needs. And that's why our prayer is, God, make me a blessing 
or rather bless me so that I could be a blessing to other people. And we should all have that in our heart. So not to just hoard up, you know, all the treasures for ourselves, but that we could be a blessing to the people around us. We want to be blessed to be a blessing. So in summary, when we give to God, he gives back to us abundant blessings that are more than we can personally contain. And there are so many testimonies I know that are in this place that can say, because I've been a tither, because I've been faithful to the Lord, all these times in my life, he has come through. I've had more than enough. I've never been lacking. And in the time of lack and need, when you sacrificially give, God will show himself so mighty in your life. And I shared it in the first service. If you want to, if you want to sow sparingly, then you'll reap sparingly. But if you want to sow generously, then you'll reap a generous harvest. Amen. So let's apply this to our life in two ways. Number one, give God your tithe faithfully. Don't give up. Don't stop doing that when you don't see the floodgates opening in your life. It's going to take uh, commitment and faithfulness and doing it over and over and over even when you don't see the results right away and number two pray and ask God to bless you to be a blessing if that gets you guys excited let's confess this over our life at the count of three. One, two, three. the tithe was implied with Cain and Abel revealed to Abraham established in the law of Moses and is still relevant for today it comes with a blessing and curse it must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give the Lord our best today, our tithes and our offering. We're not giving the Lord our leftovers. We're giving him the first fruit of our income. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. We designate offering here towards missions and towards building. You could put the uh, exact amount that you want allocated towards each category on the envelope and write your name legibly so we can credit the money towards your name. A lot of you guys have received your end-of-the-year giving reports. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from the leadership here. Thank you for partnering with us to accomplish the vision that Jesus set for us to start here in Chicago. We could not do that without you. Thank you for your generosity and commitment to the Lord. And you're going to hear the report of 2016 in just a little bit of what the Lord has done in us and through us and what he's going to do this coming year. So here are seven ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the front during the offering. Two, in the back with a credit or debit card. Three, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Four, on the MPI app. You could use Chase Quick Pay at give at mpichurch.org. You could also text MPI Give to 206-859-9405. And lastly, online at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Isn't that awesome? So many different ways. Here's our building fund for 2016. We want to raise $10,000. We've asked you guys to all pray, hear what God says, give what he says, listen to the Holy Spirit, give and give generously. We believe that when we rally together again, God is going to accomplish all of our dreams that we have for this year, getting the new shed, some new equipment, the projector, the screen, changing the... the the floor there and the foyer to match this beautiful hardware floor. So we rally together. God's going to do it. It's awesome to see uh, what, we, what we could do when we come together, isn't it? All that happened in 2016 and what's going to keep happening. Let's recite this verse together. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in our lives. I pray, God, as we continue to tithe, as we continue to give offering, that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus, that you would open up the floodgates, multiply all that we're giving to reach Chicago, to reach the nations, God, with the gospel. I pray that you give us favor in our jobs. I pray, Lord God, that you would be glorified in everything that we do. We trust you, God, with our finances. We trust you to meet our needs and that we would be a blessing to be a blessing, God, to everybody around us. Use this, multiply it for your kingdom. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give and we thank you so much for your generosity. All right, make some noise if you know you have a purpose. Come on, somebody. Woo! You guys got a purpose? We have done it. It is amazing. We are going to go through our 2016 report right now with you. This is one of my favorite times of the year, so thank you for coming. And uh, let's just enjoy this time together. What we do as a church is we keep all the stats of our attendance, of our disciples, all the money that was spent. And so you have the detailed report on your app right now or on the uh, Facebook page. I put it there as well as the website. So you can actually download and see where all the monies went. You can see how much money my wife and I made, what we spent on rent, on gas, uh, you know, for the vehicles. We have four vehicles, by the way, a 12-passenger, a 15-passenger van, a minivan, and a station wagon, all of those used for transportation. So let's go into our uh, 2016 review right here. Well, the first thing that is uh, most important to us at the church is discipleship. So when we look at the disciples, we averaged 146 disciples in 2016. You can see that the blue are the elders, the, uh, the red is the, are the deacons, the green are the 201 students, and the light purple there are the 101. So sometimes 
sometimes, yes, it goes up and down, but you can see that the average is 146. Our attendance has been averaged at 226. Here, here you see the red being in uh, the 2016 year and the, uh, the blue being 2015. There was only one time where a month from the previous year was higher than our other year, and that was in June, and it was only by three people on a Father's Day weekend. We hit a little bit lower than expected, but when you put it together in comparison, discipleship is up 6% from 139 in 2015 to 146 in 2016. That's seven new ones. We grew 12% in elders and deacons, which is amazing because that means we're putting people into the position of leadership. That's the most important bar for us, by the way, is right down here is the red and the blue. Everything through 101 and 201 is secondary to building that leadership because Jesus said you have to be a disciple to make disciples, and we know you become a disciple when you graduate here. Amen? Now, we know by faith you are when you accept Christ, but that's how our system works, and our attendance is up 13% from an average of 201 in 2015 to 226 in 2016. That's 25 new people. I'm sure there's a lot of new babies in there as well, and when you look at overall, those who come to the church and those who are in discipleship, Metro Praise is over 90% disciples. That means 90% of our youth and adults are involved in discipleship. Only 10% are not. So if you are here today and you are not involved in our 101, 201, or a graduate doing the uh, same thing, you are in the minority. Where at other churches, it is the opposite. The majority of people are not in discipleship. Usually about 80% are not in discipleship, not doing the things of the church, and they're letting the other 20% do all the work. Can I get an amen? God is doing great things. Another important part of our church is life groups. Life groups are those things that we do throughout the week. We've had 10 throughout this year. Here were their highs and their averages. Sunday marriage life group had a high of 36 with an average of 27. The single moms had a high of 18 with an average of 13. The Tuesday elevate resistance had a high of 22 with an average of 15. Tuesday encounter night, which was a new one this year, set a record of 63 with an average of 49. That's an awesome monthly prayer meeting. Wednesday Kings Kids set a new all-time record of 227 on the Christmas outreach that they had with an average of 74 every week. Thursday Gang Outreach, an av a high of 10, an average of 6. The Govea's Friday Bible Study had a high of 26 with an average of 19. The Vivid's Bible Study on Fridays had a high of 22 with an average of 15. The Elevate Ambassadors by Weekly Life Group had a high of 18, an average of 11, and Saturday evangelism to the Boricua Fest in the middle of June had a high of 127, our largest outreach of the year, with an average of 14, and they had around 20 just even last night. When you put it together, we grew from an average of 208 people in our life groups in 2015 to 233 in 2016. That's 13% growth again. Can I get an amen? How many of you would love to get a 13% raise? That means if you're making 100000 you get a 10000 bonus, right? Wouldn't you like that? This is good growth right here, guys. So you look at all the variety of our life groups and all the ranges from infant to adult, from gang to marriage, from weekly to monthly, there's literally something for everyone. And when you put those numbers together, 233 on average in life group with 226 in church, that's 104% participation. That means more people go to life groups than come on Sunday. So God is using it to reach out to our community. 
when you look at now the Elevate and what they've done, Elevate, what, what, they had a high of 88 with an average weekly of 55, and just yesterday, or rather Friday, they had 59. They're already over that average, almost 60 now. In discipleship, they have 16 in 101, 9 in 201, 9 elders and deacons for their youth leaders. 26 of them, on average, attend their life groups, and that means over 60%, more than half of these young people are in discipleship. Can I hear God is good? Amen. When you look at it like that, it gives you a perspective. And so often what happens is, you know, week by week we're looking at the trees and we don't see the forest. This is why it's so exciting for me to look at the whole forest of 2016. So if you were there at the beginning of 2015, this is for you. You can say, God used me to do these wonderful things. And if you came in the middle of 2016, that's awesome because you were a part of what made it happen. And now you're starting with us in 2016. 17 is night fighting. So here's some of the big highlights when you look over it. We graduated four students from SUM Bible College with their bachelor's degrees, ordained nine new deacons into the ministry, and they're serving the Lord wonderfully right now, aren't they? 33 baptisms. Isn't that awesome? And we're going to have another baptism next month, February 19th. We'll be uh, uh, talking about that on Facebook this week and then telling you next week all about it. We'll be putting the tank indoors, thankfully. Aren't you happy about that? But 33 baptisms last year. 100 school supplies and five laptops were given out before the school year on a Sunday. The big outreach for them was the Christmas one with 130 Christmas gifts. And though our Easter service averaged, uh, or rather had over 350 people, one of the most funnest service to be a part of was our Elevate You Sunday when they had 330. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. So what you see God doing is amazing things. God is blessing this church. It is growing in every possible way, and it's happening because of people like yourself. Well, let me tell you something that wasn't even put into this report because it's right off the presses. When I was in Florida, I was there preaching at a church on Wednesday and on Sunday, at Sunday as well, and the one on Sunday was in Daytona Beach, and they had a nice storefront that they were remodeling, and I wanted to encourage them with more ideas because you know when you walk in here, this looks quite amazing amazing for a storefront, doesn't it? I mean, I've never seen anything look like this. And guess what? I don't even take the credit. My friend did all of this when he was renting it, and then we got it back from him. But uh, they saw that we had this little corner area over here, and they said, what's up with this? And I said, well, that's the landlord's business. That's where they do their jewelry sales and all those things. And they said, well, I think God wants you guys to have that. And I said, well, you know, that's nice. A lot of people have said that to us, but the Bible says, thou shall not covet. And this is my friend, and that that's his business, so I don't pray for it, just like I don't pray for my friend's wife. I want that one, you know, she's already taken, right? I don't pray for my friend's car. Oh, Lord, put my hand on it. Lord, I pray for this car that I get it. Lord, I want this. No, so the Bible taught me not to covet, but she said, oh, I get that, but in my heart, this is something special. Something is happening right now. Contact him and see what the Lord says. Now, you have to understand, I was still resistant. This is my friend, the pastor's wife, and, and she's awesome, but I was a little bit resistant. She could tell. And she just said, well, let's just stop and pray right now. So we stopped and we prayed right then and there. And, you know, I said, I'll at least, I'll at least reach out to him. So I came home, you know, Monday and around Tuesday, Wednesday when the week started. I said, well, let me text him. And I just sent out a little text. Hey, would, would you be interested in ever leasing or renting that to us? You know, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, they spent thousands of dollars putting the bulletproof glass there. There's a lot of money invested in that little storefront with that expensive sign. And I'm just thinking he's going to say, no, I'll be honest, I had little faith. 
faith. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I was least obedient to take a step of faith. Sometimes you may not always feel it, but you got to go with what God said. Don't always be led by your feelings. And so I text him, and he goes, call me in 30 minutes. And I know instantly that's good because this is my friend. If there was no option to get that, he would have just said, oh, man, I got my business there. Hey, that's not for you. But he said, call me in 30 minutes. And guess what he said? He said, we're starting another pawn shop on Fullerton. We want to merge this one here with that one over there. We are at the last stages of the alderman giving us the permission. He says, it's a good thing you called me because you as a church can help represent us as a good business to the community, which is an honest word. And he says, if that goes through, you guys get that corner store. Can I get an amen for Jesus? Boom. Isn't that awesome? God knows just what we need at the right time. And what I always love to say to you is this is what God does in the church. It's the same thing you'll do in your life. That's the principle he taught us. Is it not right? Seek my kingdom, my righteousness, and then all these things are added unto you. So are you believing for expansion? Let God do it as you seek his kingdom and are obedient. Do it his way. We've had to wait a few years for this expansion, but maybe your time is coming up this year. A new house, a new car, a new business, new educational opportunities, a raise a new position all of these things do according to the word of the lord because when he blesses you it doesn't come with the mess he doesn't bless your mess he blesses you to the point where you can't be stressed amen so let's look at the shekels how many are excited to talk about money 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 now, this is the awesome part of our church is there is no uh, hidden fees. There are no hidden expenses. You can look at every detailed expense right now if you go actually to the post, and you can click through there and look there. Uh, my wife and I have been blessed by the church. We also provide for the, uh, the staff's finances and by paying their cell phone bills and also taking care of some of their living expenses. And we're believing that we'll be able to do more in the church through these finances. But together we raise by God's grace. $237,662.04, 9% increase from last year. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for all that you've done, everyone doing their part. I'm going to be talking to you today about some amazing things that God has set forth from us, and guess what? I'm not asking anybody here that's been obedient to God to do anything different. I'm not asking for more of your tithe to 10% to 20%. I'm not asking for more of your offering. This is what the Bible says. When we all do our part, everyone who did their part to make this happen, if we just have more people do that, we can reach 1,000 people, 10,000 people. So a lot of times we think that to have more in God's kingdom, we have to do more. No, all we have to do is be obedient, and he'll keep multiplying as we go. The reason why the church has this much money is because this amount of people were faithful in tithes and all offerings. And you'll learn more about that in the future. But look at those giving reports. If there's any questions, you can see Ricky. Ricky, would you raise your hand? He's one of our financial guys in the church, one of the board members and elders. And so here's how uh, some of the money went to the building offering. $21,861 went to our brand new stage, the new drums, uh, the keyboard, the, the flooring uh, that we have saved to put out there. So we already have it, but we need to get some extra. And then a lot of the stage lighting that you see here, God blessed us. $5,000 $842 was raised for missions, and then guess what? We supported the missions here and abroad with $13,087. That means we gave away $7,000 more than what we even took in for missions. Can I get an amen for that? Where do those mission money goes? Well, when we do things here, 
We have giveaways and support. We also help our members with uh, bus cards and rent when we can and finances to the groceries. And then overseas, we support three different ministries, one in the Congo, one in South Africa, and another in the Philippines. And we'll be talking a little bit about that in just a moment. And then we support another one in America and New Orleans. So there's four mission groups that we support, including the missions and outreaches that we do here. When you look at our savings account, there's 6,000 in, the, 6, in savings and 4,000 of that savings is still part of the 2014 Philippines mission money. So we have $4,000 ready to go back to the Philippines for our second time. I am so excited. The money's already there. Don't have to raise another penny. Jerry and Tony are going to go, and Pastor Ray, who's already preached here, who has ministry in the Philippines for us to do, has even called me this weekend. So I think it's a God thing. We're going to be preparing to do that. We cleared out those uh, funds in the building offerings. Whatever came in was spent. That's why now, when you look at the building fund offering, the, the little thermometer is zero because whenever we deposit everything for January, we'll tell you next month what we have in February. And then the general savings is $7,300. And so if you're going to uh, look at the detailed amount, I, I think that's great for you to do. You'll notice that I took a pay cut this year. Not because we had to. We actually increased by 9%. But I had a personal goal. And so I'm not boasting in myself, but in the Lord, that I actually took in my wife less this year even though we could have taken a lot more because I wanted that general savings to increase. I want us to have at least three months of backup for anything that can go wrong of budget. So our budget is normally about 15000 a month. That means we need about 45000 in savings. And I said, you know what? If I keep getting paid the way that, that my salary is set at, we won't have a lot of savings there. So I made a personal sacrifice as you are making sacrifices in your income. And so this is how I want to live in my house and in the church. I want to have money coming in to pay the bills. I give about 10% before I pay my bills, by the way, to the Lord and tithe. And then I give about 5% to offerings. That's how my family lives. I live off the 85% that comes afterwards. And then I try to save a certain amount and then keep three months of a reserve budget and savings. Everybody tracking with me? I want the church to do the same thing. And here's a little side note. You should also do the same thing. Don't live paycheck to paycheck. Live below your means and then try to have at least three months backup, not including in your normal everyday budget so that if anything were ever to happen, you lose a job or a layoff, you can do that. So thank you for helping the church do it, that we can increase in that way. And here's our goals looking forward, and that's the whole message for today, is we want to have 168 disciples, 215 attendants in both services. How many believe God can add 20 more disciples and 20 more in attendance? Amen. We want to build that storage out here to the back, get that new studio equipment and projector. And here's the thing about the studio equipment that we didn't have room to put it on that building fund that you guys normally see right here. The thing about the building uh, fund is that I can only put so many pictures here, you know. Well, that 10000 is included with the studio equipment. Well, you know what? We're already writing songs, and they're coming out awesome. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's one of ours. That's an original. We think there's enough cover bands out there in churches right now singing karaoke. It's time to write our own and so all we need is just a few more things maybe a thousand or two more dollars and they will be released on itunes google play uh spotify all of these things they're ready and we just got a few extra doodles to do and it's in that ten thousand right there and then uh, the last thing is we want to add another ten thousand to the savings building up towards that forty five thousand being reasonable i mean of course if somebody gives us a large check we'll put it towards savings but i'm just looking at the way things have been going if we because uh, we almost started last year uh, uh, coming into 
to brand new 2016, almost with zero savings. So we, we really fought hard to get seven in there is what I'm trying to say. I think this year we can put another 10 in there in the year around 20,000, and I think that would be awesome. Here's something that I want you to think about when the church says we want 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches. This is what we believe our campuses will look like. Now, I don't know how we're going to do 50. We may build one church to its 2,000 because 50 times 2,000 is what? Come on, you guys can do it. Somebody got it. 50 times 2,000 is what? 100,000. Okay, so that means we're not going to have 100,000 member church. We want 50 churches. Remember, that's what we've always been saying. I've been saying that for day one. I'm going to tell you more about that when I get to the sermon. But here's the deal. We don't know if we're going to plant one big church to its 2,000, then start our second one, 2,000, and grow 50 that way. Or if we will start 50 just like this, 50 smaller ones, and then grow those to 2,000. I'm up to whatever God says. But here's, at the end of the day, what I think a campus will have. It's going to have our sanctuaries. It's going to have a K through 12 high school and, and elementary school, a Bible college, recreational center, you know, bowling alley, movie theater, things like that, a gym, and community services as well. We're going to give the Catholics a run for their money, the YMCA, the YWCA. How many believe if we're going to dream, we should dream big? You only got one life. Why not give it your all? This is our dream. Now, here's where we go with this. How do we build this? Just get more people. Literally, everybody understand this. I will do the math in front of you right now so you don't think I'm cray. 226 average people, right? So let's say we, uh, we brought in $230,000. I believe it was 226. Let me make sure I got my numbers. Oh, 237. So let's round that up to $240,000. You divide that by your average of 226 people coming to the church. On average, that includes children and everybody, but just follow through with me here. Divide that by 226. That's an average of... $1,061 a year a person giving. That's just an average. You just take 226 divided by the 240s. Everybody get that, okay? 2,000 people in the church times the average we have right now. Do you get that? The average we, so everybody that gave this year, if you were faithful to your tithe, you're going to look at it right now and decide whether you were or you weren't. If you weren't, be obedient this year, right? But those of you who are obedient tithers, can I hear no amen? You follow God's commands. I do, you do, those who are obedient do. Watch, do that again, 2,000 times 1,061. That's a $2 million budget. Do you guys get it? What do you think we can do with $2 million a year? Do you think we can do that? I know we can do that. I know for a fact that we can do that because we serve a great God. The same way he favors us now is the same way he'll favor us then. So it's not even necessarily we're needing millionaires or people to win the lottery. All that we need is for us to keep making disciples that make disciples that do exactly what they do right now, and that will be a campus for us. The goal is achievable, and there's much more I'll be preaching on that today because when we introduced this to you, let's say the first time you came into our church and you heard this, this was not just started the day you came. This started the day the church started. There has never been a day where this has not been when what we're about. I want to tell you that as a boast in the Lord, very few churches can tell you that they started with the same vision, strategy, and goal and have not veered from it. So the day you came in, you heard it the first time, but this has been happening ever since the church started. You guys want to hear a message about that today? Amen, because there's a lot to do in 2017, isn't there? Is there a lot to do this year? 
There is. I love what the one missionary said. He, you know, was raising his money. He came back uh, to these people every single year, and he, he would always say the same thing. He would say, I got good news, and I've got bad news. And he says, the good news is we raised this much money for, you know, the, the Philippines or this much money for, uh, you know, Africa or, you know, N uh, Nigeria. But he says, here's the bad news. All of it's spent. So we got to raise more money. And don't you feel that's the same way? It's like good news, payday, payday. And then what happens on bill day? Bad news, it goes out, right? And so here's the way I want you to look at it is money is not our priority. God says don't serve money. Serve God. Put him first. What our priority is is disciples. Our priority is to change the world through people's lives. Now, money helps us to do that, to have a building to meet and chairs to sit on. None of you were here, uh, except maybe a few as I'm looking around, but most of you in the second service were not here when we raised the money for these chairs. But it was a good thing chairs were here when you came, right? But what was more important was you than the chair. But the chair helped you to come. And so now when we look at the church, we don't want to put money first. We want to put disciples first. But we want to dream with what we'll do with the disciples' faithful giving and how we'll change the world. So our goal is 100,000 what? With 50 and 500 around the world. You guys want to hear about that today? Amen. This is our last uh, sermon in the sermon series, The Pillar of Truth. If you've been with us, you've been going through it, you got a lot of nuggies. If not, I'll do a little review. But the, the nutshell of this sermon has been to prepare us for the year ahead by seeking first God's kingdom and understanding the role of the church in our lives. Jesus talked all about the kingdom. Jesus said you can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. And then he told parables about the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey. He gave talents out to some of his people. Those who did what was right and multiplied them, they got rewarded. How many heard that parable, the parable of the talents? He told the parables that uh, when we're doing the right thing, we'll be blessed. When we don't, we'll be cursed. So there is a kingdom coming. And then he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? So how many are tired of hell on earth? Are you tired of hell on earth? How many want to see heaven on earth? So whose job is it to bring heaven on earth? That's right. It's our job. So that's why we're studying this in the beginning of the year so that you can have a foundation for your life, for all that you do. Look at 1 Timothy 3.14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the, the truth. The church is the pillar and the foundation of the Come on, everybody. Everybody say the truth. Thank you. So if you want the truth about any subject, you have to filter it through the church. What does the church teach about science? If you divorce the teachings of the church from science, you're left with science fiction. What does the, the church teach about morality? If you take the church out of the discussion of morality, you'll be left with immorality. When you're talking about politics, if you remove the Bible from politics, you're going to have tyranny. When President Trump swore in, in his inauguration, what did he swear upon? The the Bible. Your dollar bill says in who we trust? God. Okay, so if you remove the Bible from the president, there is nothing to stop him from being a wicked man.
The church must influence him and teach him what is righteous. If you remove the Bible from our, uh, the church and its influence through the uh, business world and how we do capitalism, you'll then have corporate greed. Are you listening? So the church must influence every part of the world. And is the church this pulpit? Is the church this stage? Somebody point to where the church is. Yourself. That's right. It's us doing what God told us to do. Now, God calls the church his household. He also calls the church in another place his bride and also his body. Could you think of anything else that would be more important to you than your house, your body, or your bride, or your wife, or husband? Come on. Anything else more important? Maybe your children. And guess what else he calls us? His sons and daughters. You cannot get more serious about what God feels about anything in this planet than you get about the church. He is more serious about what we do here than anything you could ever do on your job, anything our governments could ever do. This is where God resides with his people, two or three gathered in his name. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so through the church, we are here to impact the society that we live in. And so that's what we have learned. We are a pillar in our society. We are pillars in politics. We are pillars in the economy and the jobs we work in. We are pillars in our families and community. If you want someone to do a job well, if you want it to be done creatively, if you want it to be done enthusiastically, you get a Christian. And if a Christian cannot do that job the best, we have a problem. So if right now you're saying, well, Apple makes the best computers and they don't love God, we have a problem. Hello, where are the Christian inventors? If you say, this scientist is so smart, they're not a Christian. Look at all they're discovering. We have a problem. Christians need to be in science. Maybe I'll preach again on another ser a sermon series I did at one time. Maybe some of you remember the seven mountains of influence. And we talked about, oh, I did ten. You're right. The book was seven, but I added three more. Ten, thank you. Where we talk about all the mountains of influence where everybody looks up to. You know, young people may look up to musicians, entertainers. Christians should be at the top of that mountain setting the example. We used to be the best musicians. We used to be the best artists. Do you understand? Most of the art and the music was the Christians expressing their love for God. We need to be at the top of education. We need to be at the top. We need to be what the culture looks up to. Now, today we're going to hit on that goal of 100,050 churches and 500 around the world and why that's so important. And the reason that it is is because God promised us a great harvest in Chicagoland and the nations. Chicagoland has over 9 million residents, and they need a strong discipleship church in each of its 50 wards and beyond. How many believe we need a good church in every ward in this city? A church that's based upon the Bible, witnessing and preaching and living it out. That's what we need. And then there's 3 billion, out of the 7 billion people on this planet, there are 3 billion that are unreached, and most of them live in the 1040 window. That is why we need to plant churches with the locals there who already know the language, who already know the culture. We need to help plant churches there. That's why we have 500 on the board. And so you and I need to prayerfully see where our part is in the goal. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to review first. We talked about our vision, which is loving God and loving who? Come on, loving God and loving who? Thank you for helping me today. I need everybody. Loving God and loving people. Jesus said in Mark 12, 28 through 31, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Can you think of a better vision than that? 
That's what we're here to do. Now, how do we love God and people? What does that mean? Because everybody can say that, but it not mean the same thing. How we love God is according to the Bible. And it says, first, you are to worship him. Put no other gods before him. In spirit and in truth, exalt him, John 4, 23. And then obey all of his commands. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will what? Obey me. You will obey my teachings. So do you love God according to that way? Do you worship him with everything inside of you? Do you live to praise God? I didn't have time today because I knew I was running late from the first service, but Psalm 145 really summarizes the way I feel about 2016, about all the wonderful things God did. Read it if you get some time. And that is about loving him and worshiping and praising him and obeying him. That's how we love him. Now, how do we love people? Because everybody can be like, man, bro, I love you, bro. I love you too. I love you. you know. But what does it mean to love somebody? Well, you help them in their time of need. The Bible says, how can you say you love your brother, I love God who you don't see, but you hate your brother who you do see? So can you really love a God if you're a racist? No. Can you? Do racists really love God? No, because they're contradicting. They're contradicting. If you have true love for God, you'll love your brother. Now, here's the thing. You may not be able to help everybody, but you can help somebody. Somebody might look at our church and go, well, you guys only gave 13000 away. Uh, you know, you should have given a lot more. You made a lot more. Okay, well, how much did you give away? What did you? Let's put it back on you. You see, an organization is no different than a people. We gave about five percent to missions. I mean, to uh, to offerings, just like how I live normally in a budget. I give about five percent away outside of what I'm doing. All of our other expenses, we're putting on the lights, putting on the chairs, uh, having the chairs, and the you know the rent for all this. It's something how people who have nothing or don't give to the church complain about what the church does or doesn't do. But those who are in the church understand how hard it is and what it takes to help others. And so, my friends, if you think you can do a better job or you know a church, uh, you feel in your mind a church that does a better job, then just go join that church. Just go do it. Show, show us how it's done. But for us, we're doing our best. Did you do your best last year? Just be honest, because I can only give as a pastor what you guys give to me, right? Did you guys give your best in offerings? If you didn't, do better this year, and we'll do better giving it. But that's how we help people, by doing what we can in times of need. Bus passes, groceries, loving the single moms, taking care of their needs. And then the second thing is we proclaim the gospel to them because the hungry man can go to hell after we fed him with a full stomach, can't he, if he doesn't have Jesus? The person that was homeless that now has a home can still go to hell if they don't have Jesus. So what do we have to do after we help them? We preach the gospel to them, and we teach them how to go to heaven. How many have been doing that in 2016? How many are going to do it in 2017? Four of you? How many about the others? What are you guys going to do? Come on, I'm going to ask you again. How many are you going to love God and love people this year? Amen. Thank you. Now, our strategy, when you talk about connect, mentor, send, is just our way of making disciples. Think about the vision, loving God and loving people, as the two greatest commandments. Now, think about what Jesus taught us in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and make disciples as the great commission. Our mission is his great commission. Does everybody see that? Our vision is what are his commands, and the commission is our mission. And so when you look at it, we just say connect, mentor, send, but there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You could say it like this, reach up, touching heaven, reaching in, God changing you within, and then you reaching out. Everybody go, reach up, reach in, reach out. Come on, do it again. Everybody reach up. Reach in, reach out, 
There you go. That's another way of doing it, right? It's the same idea. Another concept is reach one. So you find a lost person, or and you can do this in business, by the way. Apply all of these principles to leadership in business. You reach one to teach one to reach another one. Does everybody see that? Everybody say reach one to teach one to reach another one. And so we call it connect, mentor, send. You think of connecting, plugging in, mentoring, being discipled, and sending, going out to do what God said to do. So how do we connect here? We connect through our Sunday services and our life groups. That's why we don't have a midweek service. So we're connecting with you here once a week in the big show Sunday. And then the other way to connect is in those 10 various life groups. And there is literally something for everyone. Married couples, single moms, young people, children, right? There's something for everybody. Adult Bible studies, evangelism. There is something for you to do. And then what is mentorship? Mentorship is now when someone gets into your life and it starts one-on-one -on -one, and then it graduates into a 201 class which is done as a corporate learning with accountability and this is where we are unique we use the best of college learning online tools to get across our discipleship materials as a pastor I don't even know another church that does this that means through our discipleship you can integrate it into your online phone or, or an app or wherever you're at and check in read your scriptures put down your scripture memorizations do your accountability watch a short video and it's all there in one integrated with what we teach here on, on a weekly basis and then lastly we send you out why do we send you out is because that's what Jesus did this for so that those of us who are now saved and discipled can go out and reach others and so that was a review from what we obviously give you every week and then what we've preached on in our sermon series and then Jared I heard did an awesome job last week let's give it up for him doing the MPI distinctives amen and that's what makes us unique. So when you look at the vision and the strategy, what's so unique about what Metro Praise International is doing, it's really the two legs of what carries us everywhere, evangelism, discipleship, evangelism, discipleship, because that's what made Jesus unique. Jesus stepped out into the world that he lived in and spoke his message, and then he said, come follow me. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter your race, your culture, your economic status, even your religion. It was simply a call for everyone to come follow him. Now, when we look at our goal of 100,000, this is where I want to give you guys a little bit of history on this. Look at Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, and I wish I could go through all these passages because there's so much to learn in Psalm 2 as we've gone through before here. John chapter 4 and Luke 10, do that on your own if you desire it. I would encourage it. But let me highlight some of these scriptures and why we have a goal as specific as we do. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possessions. Okay, now who is saying, ask me? Who's the one talking? But God in what person? The Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit? Who is speaking here? It's the Father. Why is the Father saying this? Who is he talking to? Who is he saying, ask me? He's talking to the Son. He's talking to the Son who incarnated to become the Davidic king in the kingdom of God. See, Jesus was always eternally God in heaven. Remember, we've learned that here. And at the incarnation, something changed in his nature. He didn't stop being God. He just started being man. He became the God-man, 100% God and 100% man. Now, as a man, he lived a sinless life, was crucified, buried, rose again from the dead, and was then given, as a man, all authority. 
Isn't that what he says in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, did God, uh, the Son, always have all authority? Absolutely. But did Jesus, the incarnation of God in the flesh, have the authority? No. He had to be given the authority as God gave it to a man. Man had to fulfill the prophetic Messiah, uh, the Messiah's prophecies in the line of David. So God and God in man became Jesus. That is who Jesus is, the God man or God fully in man. Does everybody get that? Some of you don't look like you're getting it. I don't know. Do you get it? Let's let's try this. If you get it, nod your head. Okay, okay. I'm looking at some of you guys. Okay. So now the Father's saying to Jesus. Ask me, and I'll give you the nations now. And then what does Jesus say to us? Ask me for the nations, and I'll give them to you in my name. The Mavarian uh, missionaries were a powerful missionary group in the 14 and 1500s. They were watching slave trade at that time, and they were grieved at how people were being uh, traded and treated as animals because we know slave traders go to hell. How many believe that? You can't go to heaven slave trading. So... They saw the slave trade, and they said to themselves, we must get on these boats and go to these ports and to these places and reach the Africans as they're being traded so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They went to these wicked men and asked them, can we go on your boat and preach to the people around the world? Because you have to understand, uh, at this time, the world was quite unknown. And really, if you weren't a merchant or a slave trader, you probably weren't traveling. It was hard to travel. You just couldn't get on a plane. Boats were expensive. Very few people had them and they were only using them primarily for what? Merchants selling things and for slave trade. Very few traveling boats were going back and forth especially to a place like Africa or around the world. And so these men asked if they could do it. These wicked men said, of course you can't. We don't want you on our boats. We don't want you preaching to these natives. We don't treat them as human beings. But then their hearts were pricked even more. They said, we want to preach to the African people. You won't let us come but will you buy us as slaves? And we will become your slaves on your boats. And we will be your slaves. And you will be our master. But would you let us come then? And they said, yes, we will buy you as our slaves. The Movarian missionary movement started with two men selling themselves into slavery to the slave traders to go on slave routes and preach the gospel. And as one of them was already married, and he probably never was going to see his wife again, and the other had no family, uh, and was not married or kids, but he had family there. And as the boat was leaving, they shout, one shouted back to the people on the shore. They said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering." And that's what started the Movarian missionary movement that became one of the greatest missionary movements of the world, that they were willing to sell themselves into slavery to reach the African slaves. From that point, John Wesley joined a missionary movement with the Movarians on the Native American reservations. It was there John Wesley said that he was converted to Christianity and became the great missionary he became and started the Methodist movement which was like us, methodical. That's why they were called Methodists, is because they were very uh, methodical in how they made disciples and did missions. And from there, you now can trace modern missions, the missionary movement into China, the missionary movement into India, into the various places of Africa, and into the Middle East. It was all because people understood that Jesus was worth the sacrifice. See, our young people in church used to look up to missionaries, but now they look up to movie stars.
Missionaries used to be the heroes of the church because we knew how much they sacrificed and laid down. Now it's a shame that we look at the greed of this world as our, as our uh, idols, as it were. We need to lift up to our children the stories of these missionaries. I'll tell you just one other because some of you probably don't even believe the story of Mavarian. Look it up. It was their, it, it was their motto. The lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering as they sold himself into slavery. Another one was David Livingston. David Livingston was brought up in Europe. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of prestige. But he would hear his dad talk about the times that he had traveled to Africa and did missions. And as a little boy, he could see the smoke rising from the jungles. And he could smell the, the, the air of the jungle air. And he got visions of what it would be like. And he said, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a medical missionary to Africa. And as he got older, he gave his life to learn about medicine and to become a preacher, to go to Africa, to bring help and aid, and as well as the gospel, helping in need and preaching the gospel. That's how he was going to love them. Doesn't that sound familiar? And as he gets older, he starts dating in college. The first thing that he would ask people is, are, are the girls that he was dating, the first thing he would ask is, are you willing to go with me to Africa? And the girls would turn him down and say, of course not. We're not leaving, you know, all that we know of European high-class living to go to jungles that we've never even explored, that haven't even been put on maps yet, to speak to people we don't even know languages, where we've heard the stories of tribal warfare and cannibalism. But eventually he said that to one woman, and she said, yes, I'll go with you to Africa. He married that woman. They traveled and moved to Africa. It took them weeks and months just to get there. They finally arrived there. They don't know the language. They're strangers. Some of our missionaries would die just upon arrival. Watch the movie or read the book, End of the Spear. Some of our South Central American missionaries literally showing up would get them killed and eaten. Not all people obviously are cannibals, but these would be cannibals as well. True stories about missionaries dying, not even talking, just showing up. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know who they were, and they would kill them immediately. But yet these people were peaceful. They let them learn among them. They learned their languages. Years go by. Time goes by. His wife gets sick, probably malaria. She begins to die. He sends her back to England. She does die. They send word. Will you come back for her? He says there's nothing there for her now, uh, nothing there for him now. Her body is not who she was. He stays in the jungle. His children begin to get sick. He has to send them back to Europe to be raised on their own. Eventually, people from Europe want to know what he's doing. They send out a reporter, an explorer, to go down to Africa to find where he is at. They see a man that's lost his eye to a fight with the tiger. He's lost part of his limbs for fighting with other animals. His skin is darkened. He doesn't look European anymore. He speaks with an accent because he's been speaking to Africans in their language the whole time. And what the, uh, what the man says to him is, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And whatever you're doing out here, I've just come to write about for others. And, the, and then Dr. Livingston says to him, that's okay. That's okay. I'm out here doing what I'm doing. God will speak to you if he does. He does, and that's up to you. He said, but I'll tell you what. I've been praying that someone would come because I'm dying here of the same thing I think my wife had. And then the atheist said, I happen to bring some medicine as well. And so that man, knowing that he was sent by God to bring that missionary medicine, actually converted to Christianity because it was the prayers of that man that brought him there. He then told the stories about David Livingston. And that's, by the way, where you hear the saying, Mr. Livingston, I, I, I presume, that came from the reporter showing up there going, I don't know who he is, but you're the closest thing, Dr. Livingston, I presume. He then spent his life preaching there as a single man, gave his life for the African people, and at the end of his life, he was being uh, taken by a, a cot from village to village so he could preach as an elderly man. 
And one day, he said, after a long day of preaching, I can't even stand anymore. Just sit me down next to my bed, kneel me next to my cot here so that I can pray for Africa. They came to check on him in a little bit while longer. He had died on his knees praying for Africa. The African people understood that he was an honorary man to where he had come from, and they wanted them where he had come from in Europe to see all that God had did so that they had also learned the English language, some of them, and they decided that they would carry his body to honor him in Europe all the way back to Europe. By the time they got to the last part of Africa before they could get on a boat to get to Europe and to travel down rivers wherever they were going, they did what was known to be one of their traditions. They took out his heart. This is what they would do for the tribal men and warriors. And they buried it under the first tree that he had preached under. And they said, in our tradition, we bury the heart of the warrior by his family or by the battleground so that he'll always be remembered where his heart was. And they took the heart of David Livingston and they put it by the first tree that, they, uh, that he preached under. And, and then they said, England can have his body, but Africa will have his heart. That is how missions went across the world. See, is that worth your time to even hear the story? For some of you, you would rather watch an hour and a half movie about absolutely nothing. Robots, you know, Transformers, Royal, uh, what's the new one, Power Rangers. And yet me just going through a story like this, some of you get bored. These are the stories we'll talk about in heaven. Do you understand? And I could do it for the Philippines, the missionaries that went to the Philippines. I could do it for South Korea and tell you the stories of where our missions came from. I could tell you about Amy Carmichael and the stories of Chinese missions and going into the Chinese empire and to the places where they knew not any of their language, none of their traditions, but they gave their life for missions. And see, the idea is that's why Metro Praise cares. About 100,000 disciples here. It's because God has sent the nations to us. Look around this church. Very few churches even have as multiculturals as we do. As many cultures. We have upwards of 20 to 30 cultures, depending on who's in our church at that given time. Multiple Latino cultures. Multiple Asian cultures. Multiple uh, European cultures. Multiple people from the Middle East, Africa. We've had Nigerians, people from different parts of the world, Chinese believers. We used to have Chinese believers that were here that said one of the reasons why we picked your church is because it reminds us most of the church in China, and they had been arrested for their gospel preaching in China. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. I want to challenge you right now to understand God will not answer any of your prayers of personal prosperity until you want kingdom prosperity. You may do well for yourself and think it's God's blessings upon your life, but remember, even the wicked can do that for themselves. But to experience God's true blessings, he will not pour them upon your life until you start asking for the nations and praying for his discipleship to come to the world. John 4, 34, Jesus was preaching to the woman at the well. Women were not treated well in that time, but Jesus honored her. See, my friends, Christian history and church history of the, of the real disciples have always honored women and have always freed slaves. Those of you who don't understand that abolition in America worked hand in hand with, with suffrage, women's suffrage, you do not know your history. The leader of the women's march in this country is a Muslim. She has to believe the Quran that says she can and be beaten in Surah 434. Look it up yourself. Surah 434 says women can be beaten after they're, they're worn twice. It also says they are property. A Muslim woman in America preaching women's rights is a hypocrite. They're lying to you. True women suffered. Study Susan B. Anthony. Did not kill babies, but wanted to save babies. Do you understand the difference? We as Christians save babies. And now sometimes people say it to us, well, we believe in uh, 
you know, uh, pro-life, but we don't believe in adoption. That's a devil's lie. Right now, they are trying to prevent Christians from adopting, and they make it so expensive that average people cannot adopt. In America, sometimes it costs upwards of $30,000 to adopt, and sometimes in foster care programs, they will not let you have the children if you preach the gospel to them. So finally, now, there are third-party agencies that are coming up to get the right people into the right place. But that's another discussion. If you agree and find yourself in alignment with liberal media that hates God and you don't think there's a problem with that, you don't understand the Bible, my friend. Do not be deceived by Huffington Post, CNN News. Listen to what the Bible says and listen to what Christians are saying. Do you get that? Let's give you an example. Lydia's home in Chicago is developed for that one purpose so that Christians can adopt and can work with the community because the other agencies are now forbidding us. Let me just give you another example. When I lived in the South, I gave away food out of the church every single time I opened the doors almost. I had given away over 100,000 pounds of food. I have not even given away hardly any food here. You know why? Chicago Food Bank is anti-Christian. They won't let me give it away and say the name of Jesus. I can't put a flyer in the bag when I give it away. The only time a church can give away food is if they don't mention Jesus, do it on a day where it's not a service, and I won't compromise for that. Do you understand? So there is a difference. Don't be deceived, my friend. So anyways, Jesus honored women, didn't beat them or subjugate them. He truly honored them, but he hadn't eaten, and the disciples come to him and go, Jesus, aren't you hungry? And he said, listen, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, what are you doing right now? You're eating spiritually. Is that more important than lunch and dinner coming, whatever you're going to eat next? It should be. He said, don't you have a saying that says it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Every time you guys go to high school, you guys should open your eyes and see the harvest. Every time you and I go someplace, we should see the harvest. We should see the need for 100000 in Chicago. Do you know that my Facebook uh, account gets an ad to promote our business, you know, because they don't know we're a church, to promote our business. And do you know what they say when they, when they want me to promote it? They say, we'll help you reach 100,000 people within a three-mile radius of your business. That's how many people are within a three-mile radius of where we are right now, 100,000 people. Do you see that the harvest is ripe? Look at the next thing Jesus said. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to go to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? The workers are few. So he said, ask the Lord, therefore, to send out what? Workers into his harvest field. Go, I am what? Sending. Connect, mentor, send. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. My friends, we will not be loved in this world. We will be hated and persecuted. Why is it, as I get ready to show you the 1040 window where we have the most need for the gospel, why is it Christianity is hated there? Why is it the number one enemy of North Korea is Christianity? Number one enemy of China, Christianity. The number one in, uh, enemy within Iraq, Assyria, uh, Syria, and these places right now, Christianity. Why is it right now the world hates Christians? Why are they dying? What are Christians doing there right now? And I don't have time to get into this refugee issue, but I am so disappointed that people do not understand what is going on. I am not a fan of Donald Trump for anything like in the sense of what he does, I will just 
disagree with. But I want you guys to understand, stop being so naive. Let me just show you quickly. Let me get off my message just for a minute so you can understand. Do you not know what the Muslim world looks like on a map? This is green is the Muslim world. There is no reason why any refugee from a Muslim nation should go anywhere other than here. We can receive them, but we don't owe that to them. You have to know the difference. We can, but there is not a should. The should is for them. The should is for Saudi Arabia. Have you even seen what Dubai looks like, one of the richest Muslim cities in our, wor in our world, in the nation of, uh, of the United a Arab Emirates? Do you even know? They are lying to you. I have my brother shaking his head. He knows. He's done mission work. They are lying to you in the media, friends. They want to cause a frenzy. Muslims and Marxists want you to think Christianity and capitalism is your enemy. Christianity is not your enemy. The reason why there are Syrian refugees is because there is Syrian Muslim dictators and ISIS fighting against Muslims. And the reason why they can't go anywhere here is because they close their borders. Turkey closes their border. These nations close their border to create, listen to me, to create the chaos of refugees. Don't you think that Iran could open its door right now and take in refugees? Don't you think that right now that uh, another rich Muslim nation, Jordan, could take in refugees? Don't you think Morocco, have you ever heard of Morocco, could take in refugees? Don't you understand what they're doing? It's a part of a Trojan horse mindset to push them out of the Muslim world into a European world where they can plant their culture. Now, should we help the world? Yes, despite religion. But don't be so easily deceived into believing what's going on. And my friends, who are the ones suffering the most there are the Christians. And the past president blocked Christians from coming from those nations. And that's now what he is doing. He's saying, I am done taking all of the refugees. And it's not named by Muslim, but it's saying, I am done just taking in various refugees until we vet them and then get out the Christians who are named to be a persecuted minority in their nation. See, some of you don't even have the facts, and that's why it just blows my mind. I can't get into it on Facebook. Some of you haven't even been to Minneapolis and seen the Ethiopian neighborhoods there. Why do you think there are Ethiopian neighborhoods in Minneapolis right now, mostly white, all Swedish people? Why do you think there's just blocks and blocks of Ethiopians is because Muslims are killing Ethiopians and no uh, black Muslims are killing other black people in Ethiopia and no other nation helps them. Do you guys not understand that? And do you want to know where Israel is? Let me show you where Israel is. This is Israel right here. That's Israel. There are two people that the world has always hated, Christians and Jews. Christians and Jews. Liberal media hates Christians and Jews. Universities hate Christians and Jews. This entire part of the world that is against God, China, communism, Malaysia, communism, Vietnam, uh, North Korea, dictatorship, communism, India, militant Hinduism, Middle East, militant Islam. This part of the world all hates two groups of people alike. And in the UN, they all vote against them alike. Israel and the freedom that America has. You don't think that's real. You don't understand your history. And where do you think Armageddon is, my friends? 
Where do you think the Valley of Megiddo is? Where do you think the last battle of the world is? It's right there. Right now in China, there's people being arrested, being put in jail, being killed. They're still being killed in China. Have you ever even researched them tearing down of the crosses? There was a time the Chinese Christians were getting a little bit more freedom, but then they started uh, persecuting them again and tore down hundreds of crosses in China and persecuted them and put them back into jail. Chinese crosses tore down. And so what we need to do, my friends, is understand we're going out as lambs unto wolves going out as lambs unto wolves. Do not let this world deceive you, my friend. They tore down the churches, crosses of Chinese churches. They were giving them a little bit more freedom. 400, 400 crosses were tore down in China. And I believe it will tell you right here if it gets it up. It was tore down in this year right here. It was done in 2015. After removing 400 crosses, China proposes where churches can put them instead. The government removed them. Let us not be so easily to be deceived by our media, okay? I'm not, I'll, I will call out Trump here when we need to call him out on those things. But to think in our world right now that we're going to be so easily played by politics against what Christianity has done. Let me just say this real quick before I move on. Obama and Clinton, uh, talking about Bill Clinton, did more to kill unborn children than any presidents in U.S. history. And no one gave a rip. None of the justice warriors gave a rip. Do you understand by that alone God could judge us? Right? Do you guys understand that? And then what Obama did for homosexuality and perversion and all that he did, nobody gave a rip. The reason why they're mad now, friends, is because there's a president that's not favoring Muslims anymore, not favoring abortion anymore. There is a worldview fight. The Women's March led by a Muslim woman was against Pro-life women marching. Pro-life women were told not to march with them. Organizations that were pro-life said, can we march with you for equality of women's pay? That's a thing we can agree on. They said, no, two of our agendas you disagree with. You disagree with our pro-choice and you disagree with our homosexual stance. My friends, don't be so easily duped. You're being sent out like lambs among wolves. Can I hear an amen? amen. So our goal is to make 100,000 disciples. 50 churches here with 500 around the world. Our means in which we do it matters. If I just said these are going to be stripper poles and we're going to start bringing people in the church, does 100,000 now matter? No, because if I have 100,000 people watching ladies strip, that's not a good thing. And so what's the problem with a lot of churches today is that they're compromising their means to reach their end. And so if I preach an inch deep and a mile wide and I fill this place up, does that mean anything? How many disciples do I have? Probably very few. I would rather have few that are disciples than many that are weak and immature. If you may, uh, you come here, you may disagree with some of my stuff, but at least you hear a pastor that's not going to be politically correct and play nice with the world around it. I'm going to rebuke the world for its sin. We need to wake up as Christians and be light in darkness, amen? And we do it in love, but our means matter. So the means to how we build this church is on discipleship. And let me say this before, before I play the video real quick, is that, you know, you ask somebody, does, can Michael Jordan play basketball? Of course. Can LeBron James play? Can, can Stephen Curry play? Yes, all these guys can play. If you ask somebody, can Joe preach? Absolutely, Joe can preach. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to be all false. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm not too good at this. I've been doing this for 20 years. But listen, I'm not going to build a church on my preaching ability. 
I have people come to me all the time, Pastor, I love the way you preach, love the music, love what's going on, whatever, but you know, that discipleship thing, you know, doing it this way, I don't, I'm not really cool with that, you know, is it cool if I just come to the church, keep doing the thing? We'll be like, yeah, sure, you're welcome, but you know what, if that's going to be an issue for you, you probably need to find another church, because making disciples is what we do here. And that's why we're in the church the way we are. And when we grow, and I'm not saying big churches are bad and small churches are spiritual, but what I'm saying is when we grow, we will grow on discipleship. I don't ever want to have less than 80% of our church be disciples. Right now it's 90%. Give or take a few, new growth, some revival happens. I can give, you know, give a 10% on there, but I never want to go below 80% discipleship. I want to do it God's way. Are you guys ready to play this video? Just uh, raise up the volume. I want to show you the way we should build the church. Thank you. Turn it up for me, please. Come on, somebody say, this is church. Amen. That's how we should do it, right? Amen. I didn't make that video, but I love that video. I play that bad boy all the time. Some of you have seen it many, many times. To us, that's what we're going to do. Now, let's just go through it real quickly in closing here today. What does 100,000 look like in Chicago? Well, in 1962, Billy Graham filled Soldier Stadium with 116,000 people. Every year, we focus again on our vision, strategy, and goal. I would love for that to be the time all of our campuses go together. Wouldn't that be amazing? So next January, maybe there will be 100,000 of us. But you know what? God, pro uh, Let me say how it, this came about uh, because God never promised me I would see it. So I was praying as we were getting ready to start the church, laying out the vision, the strategy, all that was there, starting to write the books. And then I felt like I needed to have our goal, something that we would focus towards. And as I was praying, I just asked the Lord, Lord, what should I have, have our people pray for that would be something we could give our life for? You know, I, I want to be here for my life and invest my life into this. And, and as I was talking to the Lord, I felt he just said back to me, 
well, how big can you dream? Well, at that moment, I remembered through the time that I had studied with a lot of church growth, discipleship people, the story of Larry Stockstill with Bethany World Prayer Center in uh, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He had said that he was in a church conference in South Korea, the largest church in the world with 750,000 members. He said while he was there, they did a breakout session for the pastors according to the size of their church. And there was one breakout session uh, for those who have a 100,000 member church or bigger. And he was curious and wanted to see what does that look like because he knew no churches in America were over 100,000. Even today, the largest church, Joel Osteen, around 46,000 in uh, Atlanta, Georgia with, with uh, Andy Stanley, around 40,000 as well. Willow Creek is one of the top 10 out there in Barrington, has close to 30,000. No church of 100,000. So he said, I want to go there and take a look at what places have over 100,000. And he looked in there and he said there was a lot of people in there. He said, but there was no Americans. And we now know today, there's many churches in Africa of over 100,000. There's many in India of over 100,000. There's one in Bogota, Colombia with over 400,000. There's a few in Brazil of over 100,000. There's those house church movements of China, some of them numbering into the millions. And by the way, they're pastored by women sometimes and, and oftentimes that they are. And there's other churches like that, but there's none in America. So when I was just talking to the Lord, I said, God, it would be great to have a 100,000 member church in Chicago. Build the largest church not only in Chicago, but the largest one in America and in American history. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, am I doing this biblically or am I doing this out of pride? It's biblical. Ask of me, the nations. Look and see the harvest is ripe. Pray for the laborers. Isn't that the way to pray? Should I be praying first and primarily for my house, first and primarily for a lot of money or a raise? Should I be praying first and primarily for these kinds of things? No, first and primarily, what should I be praying for the kingdom of God, the disciples to come? I remember I traveled once to Miami to be with Cesar Castellanos' people, the G12 church uh, that they had planted in Miami, and they uh, started a discipleship movement in Bogota, Colombia, like I said, over 400,000 people, and I got the chance to be around him, and, uh, but th this time I traveled down to be around some of his, his, uh, his leaders, and you know what blew my mind when I sat at the table is while they prayed, for the meal, we were going to get some Cuban sandwiches or something in Miami. And as we began, to, as they prayed, you know what they, they prayed? Right at the beginning, Lord, we pray for our church to make disciples. I pray that we'll change the nations. Bless this food. Bless our fellowship. And I was so taken back by that. I said, how often do you pray like that? He says, we pray like that for all of our meals. We remember the kingdom of God. And it just began to strike, like, strike me in my heart, like, man, the American churches, we've gotten so backslidden. Like, we don't think of the church that way. We think of the church as this entity over here, and we're this other entity over here. But these people understood that for the culture to change, for Bogota to, to get loose from the, uh, the drug lords, or for South Korea to recover after the Korean War, or for China to take down communism, or for Brazil to get free from the corruption and the, and, and, and the uh, classism that suffered so much the poor, they, these nations have realized that they have to pray for God's kingdom in their jobs, in their, in their governments. Does everybody get that? And I feel like we've missed that here. So what does 100,000 disciples look like in Chicago? It looks like new aldermen, new judges, new mayors, new school officials, new business owners, new inventors, right? It changes things. We plant churches on the south side. It changes things. We plant churches in Boys Town. It changes things. It, it, you plant churches where there's rich, where there's poor. It will change the world. And so I 
would love for this one day to be our annual meeting. And as I was praying with the Lord, I never heard him say, you will see it in your lifetime. So one of two things will happen. Either we will see this in my lifetime, and God will probably say, that's just the introduction. Keep going, you know. Now a half a million. Because why not? Uh, Seoul, Korea is not too much bigger than, um, than, than Chicago. And they have uh, multiple churches over 100,000. They have a Presbyterian church over 100,000. I believe there's two of them. And then there's that Assembly of God church with Young Ji Cho. Why not go to a half a million? Amen. Or the second thing that will happen is I will be faithful. The church started with us saying the vision. It will end with me saying the vision. After I die, you guys can do whatever you want. That's between you and God. But I would like to believe you would keep going to win disciples. Can I hear an amen for that? What does 50 churches look like around the world? Well, you guys have already seen that in our end-of-the-year giving report. Like I said, I don't know if we, uh, you know, start 50 small ones, and then we say, okay, now that we've got 50 out there, everybody grow. Or if we just build one big one and then go, now we got our first campus, boop, launch the next one. I don't know. But I know there's enough land, there's enough space, and there's enough need to do it. Now, at this point, you have to stop and ask yourself, is this a selfish desire or is this a godly desire? How many think you would love, I mean, it's changed, has this church changed your life? It's, I mean, think about the people who have come here. If they've gotten saved, how many think 100,000 people should, be, should get saved? Those of you who came here and your marriages were restored, how many think there needs to be 100,000 marriages restored, right? Those of you who came here, come here and your children are taught the Word of God, how many believe 100,000 people need to hear that? The children, teenagers that sit on these rows, and many of them come from gangs like in the first service. A lot of these guys tell their testimony. How many believe 100,000 can be changed from the gangs? How many believe that? So it's a, it's a vision, not just a make-believe um, a dream. It's actually a real vision. And then now I preached ahead of myself, so no real reason to go ahead here, uh, go with too much depth. But 500 churches around the world, this is what we're going to do. There was a time that people found my books online and wanted me to start teaching them how to use it. We had over 200 churches that had cooperated with us to use our books in a ministerial alliance. We were in India, Nepal, Pakistan, Nigeria, and the Philippines. Many of you remember it at that time. I would travel around and meet with these different individuals. Even though we had 200 churches using our names and our books at that time, what I began to realize is after we would leave, they wouldn't operate in our systems. And so it was a watered-down version of what we were doing, most more than likely with good intentions, but just because they were desperate and in need of help, they were willing to do anything, but they weren't committing to the process. God told me to pull back at that time, and now that's why we are picking our first nation. Well, we will send someone from here over there that can be our representative live and raise up those pastors and those of you who have traveled overseas know this as well as to be a fact our problem over there will not be the harvest it will be the workers like I said within four years I had 200 churches under the Metro Praise Alliance to it, it just explode I had one man that was in the southern part of Andhra Pradesh India that had 70 churches with about 10 different apostles he was working with because these men would pastor village churches I literally thought that I was back in time during that time of the Methodist mission movement when circuit writer preachers would pastor seven churches at once. I would travel to these villages, and most of the home churches, granted, were maybe 10 or 15 people, but one man would be pastoring seven to 10 of them. And like I said, one was overseeing seven of his pastors who each had about 10, 70 churches altogether. My one brother in Pakistan that we were working with that now has an SUM Bible College, which was good, that came out of there. We established the Bible College. It's still there to this day. Had over 100 churches in Pakistan. And so we were seeing great fruit, but once again, we want to do it right. And so we're praying that Tony and Jerry partnering with Pastor Ray in the Philippines will be a great way for us to come into this part of the world. Um, I'm assuming Philippines is somewhere here or below this. This green right here? Here. 
the nice white one, right? So it's not under any of these powers, praise God, because it's a free country, isn't it? And they understand English there. And so one of our desires is to actually plant ourselves here first in the Philippines and start reaching the world from there. That was, that's one of our strategies, and we're believing God for that. Tony and Jerry are, Lord willing, going to be those missionaries. Wouldn't that be amazing to send them out? Well, do you want to know what it looks like when you get a million Africans together praising God and speaking in tongues? How many would like to see that? This is Reinhard Bonnke uh, preaching the gospel in a Nigerian crusade. Would you please uh, lift up the volume? Go ahead and raise it up for me. I'll start it over. Go ahead. Can you put it up, please? And now shout your How many can have faith for 100,000 after you see 2 million? Amen. It's literally like the Bible says, like a harvest field. And because, uh, you know, I, got, I personally uploaded that video to my uh, YouTube video, uh, my YouTube channel. It's very pixelated. So I would just like to make sure that you guys just get a clear understanding of what those amount of people look like. In Nigeria in 1999, he set the Christian record for the, uh, you know, the Pope has gathered about that many people, but he set the record for the amount of uh, people in a crusade. There was over 2 million people and 1.5 million of them, or 1.2 rather, accepted Jesus into their hearts. I know that's still a little bit dark there, but you guys can just lift, uh, look it up online, Bonki, Nigeria, and you will see what it looks like. Those are the nations coming to Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that Jesus said, okay, so um, 1.4, there was one crusade alone was 1.2 or whatever. That was his record. I guess they're now giving these, uh, these totals here. But there was a 2 million person crusade with a 1 point some million people in one service getting saved, okay? These are total over a few days. But here's my point. The nations are ready for the harvest. 500 churches around the world will be a drop in the bucket. 500 will probably just occupy India alone. Right now, as we have in the Joshua Project, if you click on that link where it says 3 billion unreached people at the beginning of this message, you'll see the Joshua Project has them marked out. There's probably 10,000 right now unreached villages in India alone, 10,000 that don't even have one church, let alone all those places we've looked at through the, um, the, the 1040 window. And so, uh, Rachel, would you please come as we get ready to, to close out here? What I want to do is encourage you now. Uh, Alberto, would you get the board for me, please? I want to end the same way we did in the other service. Here's another picture of it here. I want you to believe with me today that your part in this is a significant part because God has called you here to be with us. 
the idea is really simple. I mean, it's, it's almost to the point where you could, you could just miss it because it's, it's that simple. We think that to change the world the way we just saw in that video with Reinhard Bonnke, that like maybe you've got to do something that you're not doing now or it's got to be some like big humongous thing. It doesn't. Now God's power will be in it, but it doesn't need to come with like an angel falling from the sky or, you know, talking to us, you know, from the heavens, like, hey, I'm an angel. Everybody go to Metro Praise. Look right here. The largest church in the world, 750,000 people in Seoul, Korea, was started by Young Ji Cho after the Korean War in an old World War II tent with four people, his wife, his mother-in-law, and then her two sisters. And he said, God has told me we're going to plant the biggest church in the world here. Now, that's what God told him, the biggest church in the world. No one believed him, four people. He, would, he said he would preach like the place was filled, and the four people sitting on the front row would plug their ears. Look it up, Yodaful Gospel Temple in Seoul, Korea, over 750,000 members. What we just saw was a Reinhard Bonnke crusade in Africa. He was a very unsuccessful African missionary for many, many years. He's from Germany. He, he's very clumsy. He's not even a very good speaker. When you see him now, he's actually very old on the way to meet Jesus. And he's not an attractive man. He's not a good speaking man. And he was getting discouraged at the mission movement because they were doing crusades and trying to support the people. And they could only get 50, 100. And one day he was having a vision, I mean, a praying, and he saw a vision in his desperation. He was seeking God, but God showed him a vision literally of like the continent of Africa dripping with blood. And God said, I will wash this nation with the blood of my son. He then took that word very seriously and started to speak it, and God started to fulfill that promise to him. And now he has not only seen Nigeria change, he's seen other parts of Africa change and has led the largest gospel crusades in known history, okay? Cesar Castellanos, the church in Bogota, Colombia, was one of the main writers that I used to study when I was a young man. Talked about being on the beach, pastoring a very small church, and God saying to him, pick up the sand and believe me that I can outnumber these short, these sand, uh, grains of sand in your city right now for souls and disciples. And that's where they came up with the G12 movement. Every disciple makes 12 disciples. So it was never an accident for these churches to grow. See, I could grow a church by my ability to preach, and maybe we can get to some numbers, but you won't change the world that way. You won't impact the culture that way. I was there at T.D. Jakes' new launch of his big building. I've seen great preachers. I'm not here to put them down. I'm just here to tell you, having big churches with great speakers doesn't change a culture. Jesus had a way for his church to grow that would impact the culture. He called it discipleship. Do you think we should take it serious? Yes or no? Do, if the Son of God said, this is how we'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, do you think we ought to do that? And if he said, you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you, ought that to be the goal of your life then? So this is not just Joe's goal then. Whose goal is this? It's your goal. This is your goal. This is why you're asking God to bless you with that great business idea so you can give more to do more. This is why you're asking God to bless you with children so that your children can be the children of God in a culture of darkness. You're asking God to bless your president so that we can have freedom to do this, right? You're asking God to give us safety in the city so that young people can fill these chairs instead of filling cemetery plots, right? 
So it's not Joe's vision for disciples. It's just we are here today encapsulating it in words God gave Joe or the leaders here, but it's really a vision for the church. And I, I'm just my last sassy thing here before we get into the part that's really going to hopefully connect this for you is if you don't like this, then go somewhere where you do like it. Because none of us should have an excuse to do nothing, right? All of us should do something for Jesus. Nancy, would you come? She's going to be my Vanna White today. Would you give her a hand clap, please? Berto, send me the number of uh, adults and young people, please. Now watch, 100,000. That, that's amazing. That's a humongous number, right? But I can show you how every single one of you can do it right now. All you have to do is do the right things you did last year. If you didn't do the right things last year, start doing the right things this year. But there's a lot of disciples in here of our 146 that are making, making it happen. You don't have to do more. Just do what you were doing. Now, Berto, send me that number. Did you text it to me? So today in this service, we have 50 youth and adults, not counting our children. In the first service, we had basically 100. That's right in line with our average, about 150 adults and youth, about 70 children. You know, there you go. There's our church. Okay? Now watch. 2017, put right here, 50, please. There you go. There are 50 of you here right now. What do you have to do for Jesus? Love God. Love people. Connect to the cross. Be mentored with the cross. Go share the cross. In other words, be a disciple that makes, let's just say, one disciple this year. You be a disciple. You go to the 101. You go to the 201. You can graduate in six months and then make another disciple. And you may say, Pastor, I don't know where disciples are. Where do I go get one? That's why you have to go evangelize. Tell somebody on your job about Jesus. Invite them to a life group or to a service. Do a Bible study with them. Go get you one at your high school. Go bring them here next week. Someone had to bring you here the first time. Make it worth your while now to go get one of them. So if you today simply are a disciple and you make one disciple, you've got 11 months to go. Alex and Maria should be graduated. Plenty of time. Uh, Brian and Carol, done. Plenty of time. All those, those of you here that are already in the 101, done. Plenty of time. All the deacons that I have here and elders, you have plenty of time to get you one disciple. Most of my elders and deacons already have one disciple. But if they do it, you do it, 50 do it, this time next year, if 50 people all each get a disciple, how many disciples will we have this time next year? How much? 100, because we just go 50 times 2. There we go. Did I, have to, did I have to entertain you? Did I have to change what I'm preaching? Did I have to bribe you? All, all y'all had to do is just get one disciple. Does everybody get that? And now we just doubled the church. Disciples. No shucking and jiving. Still the word of God. Loving Jesus. Now guess what? We do that the next year. A hundred times two is what? Two hundred. Y'all know math? Two hundred, right? We'll come here in 2019, January. 200 people. You do it again, 400 people. Just every year, make a disciple. See, I've already been discipled. I've been trained. I'm now sent to go make new disciples. All I have to do is just every year, just make one disciple. All Ricky has to do this year, just make one disciple. That's all we have to do. Isn't that what Jesus commanded us to do? That's all we got to do. 400, do it the next year, 800. 
do it the next year again because we're faithful. If we're faithful, God will make us fruitful. If we're faithful to our husbands and wives, God will make us fruitful in our marriage. If we're faithful to our jobs, God will bless us on our jobs. If we're faithful to our community, God will bless us in our community. Then you got 1600 for the next year. The next year, 3200 The next year, 6400 Right here, we've become mega church. We have all the bells and whistles. We look great, maybe two or three campuses of 2,000, but we're not built like the rest of the churches, are we? We're built with a foundation of discipleship that can handle the Word of God, each of them preaching and teaching to each other. So instead of having a mile wide and an inch deep, a church of babes, we have a church of Spartan and David-like warriors. We have people that can each preach and teach the Word of God. 6,400, we do it again. 12,800. 12,800. We do it again. 25,600. We do it again. 51,200. We do it again. 11 years from now, we have 102,400 disciples. Now, I just want to know, who came up with this idea? Who was the genius that said, go change the world through discipleship? Who was that genius? So why are we doing it in another way? Why is it churches look at me crazy when I say I want 100,000? And by the way, this is what will blow your mind. This is just first service, folks. A second service. First service made it in a year. So if I just treated you guys like two different churches... We'd have 200,000 in 11 years. Hello. Unless you're two-timing and came to both services, which is okay. But I don't see too many two-timers here right now. Most of you, this is, this is your first service today. So we had 100 individuals in the first service, 50 individuals in the second service. Look at that. You guys made it in 11 years. They made it just a year before you. That was it. So why would we do it any other way? Why would we think about church any other way? Now, you may say, man, this looks like, it's like Amway. It's like Herbalife. You know, somebody told me I can make a million dollars if I got another person to sell Herbalife vitamins. Hey, listen, multiplication may work in businesses and, and, and pyramid schemes, but this is what Jesus taught. Because the whole point is we're supposed to multiply and be fruitful. When he created us in the garden and breathed breath into us and made us in his image, he said, have dominion over the earth. What do you see in this 100,000? I see a chained city. I see missionaries being sent all over the world. I see things that we have never even dreamed of. 50 private schools. What do you think that even does to the community of young people in Chicago if you had 50 private schools? Every campus having a private school funded by the church. What do you think that does? Now, I like the way Reinhard Bonnke said it in closing. Well, you can shut off the lights. We'll let them know we're ready to go. I don't want them to think I'm going to preach to them all day. Reinhard Bonnke was asked, how do you get a million people to come to a crusade? You know, his numbers are a lot bigger than mine, but I think this is cute. I'll use 100,000. How do we get 100,000? We just get a bunch of zeros to come to the one hero. That's all we got. Now, we're not zeros in the sense of insignificant. It's just we're nothing without God. It's impossible with man. But with God, all we need is just the one, and the zeros follow. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Would you stand up with me today and give it up for Jesus? Because it's all about him. Amen. We love you, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Jesus.
Now would you do me a favor? Let's just pray it through before we go today. Thank you for your patience. Oh, before we pray, everybody look at me, please. Thank you for your patience. By the way, I know I've taken a lot of your patience up on these sermon series, uh, these sermons, this series. Guess what? Next month, it's totally different. We're taking a deep breath into the book of Ephesians. We're going to take it verse by verse until Jesus tells us to stop, possibly all the way to Easter, if not further. The sermon title series is going to be In Him. So you can just... Just breathe in heavenly places, the grace of God, the love that knows no heights nor bounds. Do your homework this week. Read the book of Ephesians. So I just want to let you know, I know this month has been abnormally long. I do not intend to make my new speaking time an hour and a half. I do not intend to do that. Even today, it wouldn't have been an hour and a half. If I only reason it's this long is I had to do the report. You know, the message still was shorter. Having said that, can we close it out in prayer? Father, right now, we lift up our hands, our hearts. And we say, Lord, use us. If you came here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, as your Master, would you repent of your sins? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Profess Him. Say, Lord, you're my God. I believe in you. Those of us who are already saved, would you thank Him for the cross? You're not just a little busy bee in His uh, beehive. You're not just a spoke in His wheel being turned and turned. You're a son or a daughter today. There's relationship. There's relationship. We're not just here to be workers. We're here to be friends. Focus on Him before we go. See the cross. See the love. And let Him draw you into the harvest field. Altar workers, would you come, please? We're going to close in just a moment. People getting saved.